Hey guys, Vlord here. I just wanted to put up a quick disclaimer on this episode because while this is a discussion of Volume 1 of Actage, we do mention some events from later on in the series. Not too many huge spoilers, but just a few minor spoilers. So if you're trying to go into the series completely blind, I just wanted to make sure that you are able to keep that experience. But otherwise, um, go ahead and enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Actage Podcast. I am your host, Vlord GTZ, and with me I have my usual co-hosts, Marion and Sakaki. Boom, Shaka. What's up, people? But also with us today is a guest, our good friend AG, also known as your anime guy on Twitter. What's up? Yanagi's best girl. That, that's the wrong answer, it's Chioko. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were Chioko Town here. <laughs> this is a Chioko podcast. No Yonagi stands allowed. Just imagine Yonagi. us throwing up gang signs right now. That's what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all better put those Twitter fingers to work to, to vote in that poll on Twitter for the, the stage play or whatever. Oh, the side A, side B, uh... That PV was crazy. Yeah, those PVs went ham. Especially the the individual ones are like crazy. It's like, damn, can we can we just get an anime right now of just the Iron Fan arc? You know, I mean, we've talked about it before, but the way Actage is paced, you probably could do that. Honestly, you just have like chapter one and then just jump to the Iron Fan arc, and it wouldn't seem too weird, honestly. (laughs) Honestly, yeah. We, we need to pitch Actage as an action anime just by showing Princess Iron fan scenes. It, it'll totally work, guys. But we're not talking about that arc today, unfortunately. Aw, oh, man. Well, I haven't read it yet, so I shouldn't be saying anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, you haven't. I completely forgot about that. <laughs> you, you have to read it. To it. It's amazing. I will get to it. But no, today we're actually talking about Volume 1 of Actage, because recently Viz's release of Volume 1 finally came out. Let's go. Yeah, and uh, it kind of just made sense to have AG on, since AG is probably one of the oldest fans in the Actage community, at least like among those that are very vocal about it. So it's really a perfect fit for this podcast. Plus, I know... He loves Actage a ton, so it's always good to have someone passionate. Uh, it's all right. It's 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 okay. Um, but before we get into things, I'm actually curious, Ag. Like, how did you like really get into Actage? Like, I know that you read the Jumpstart, but like, what made it really appealing to you? Uh, well, I would think like, oh, uh, got my attention was because since I went to school for film, <laughs> what? And it was kind of revolving around that. That kind of piqued my interest. But also, like, when I actually, you know, read it, I'm like, yo, this, I mean, basically, it's just really good. I feel like anybody could really say that after you read it. But especially, again, Yannicky, I'm just saying, that's you know, that's another thing that brings uh, my attention. But um, I think 
is also the the originality of it too because i'm like i've never really seen you know jump manga about acting i was very curious how they would uh pull that off and uh honestly i think they did really well yeah i mean i think like you don't really see that many manga about acting out there especially in a shonen magazine so i think that's one of the things that really kind of sticks out and like you said like yonagi is very compelling like from the outset that's what draws you in beyond just kind of the unique premise is yonagi herself and just kind of her complexities and like her struggles like using acting as a coping mechanism but also allowing her to do these miraculous feats that most actors can like never do yeah no seriously like I remember, like, again, I'm, like, probably the baby in the group here. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I know one thing that definitely attracted me to the series is just that, you know, the way Onagi is depicted. And, I mean, we've discussed it before, but I like that she is very good. But they also acknowledge several times, even, like, even in the first volume, they acknowledge that, you know, the way she does things is kind of <laughs> not healthy. And I think that's what compelled me more to the series than if like she were portrayed as this perfect actress that could do no wrong. I think what it just made more, what it made me more, made it more interesting to me is just this idea that yes, you know, they acknowledge she's good, but she could very well ruin herself. Yeah. She has growth too. So it's yeah. like, does it just end there? Like, okay. It's not like, you know, they're already good. It's like kind of like, you know, your average shown in manga is like have room to grow progress and get stronger in this case, better at acting. Yeah, like, uh, we've mentioned before, but, like, while Akdash has, like, a very kind of unique premise, it's still very much like a jump manga, and it takes, like, the ideas of what Shonen Jump has done for ages, but imbues it, like, in a new way that's really creative and nice. And I think that that's what makes it, like, such an easy draw for so many of us. Yeah. And I think going in just into the first volume itself, you really see that right off the bat like like it starts off with kind of like Koriyama looking at all these different actors at an audition and like you see all these different types of actors there because they're all trying to portray sadness but Yonagi just immediately stands out even in that situation because like from the way that she's acting it feels so much more realistic but unnerving at the same time yeah, honestly, like I love the first chapter because it, it kind of outlines the setting and the characters very well. And I mean, just off the first chapter, I forgot how deep this can be. And Yonagi's like it's kind of like really tough, man. Like when you when you like you're actually like because after first time I read this, I didn't really pick this up. Like, you know, they how jump manga is, they kind of throw a lot of comedy into it, but like sugarcoat it. But like she's kind of had like a tough life raising like basically her uh, siblings no parents yeah. i'm just like she's like sucks it up basically i'm just like, like you know go go her i guess <laughs> i find it i find it interesting because like a lot of times uh like absent parents are usually just like detail that's there not really like, addressed or anything uh yeah like this a person who grew up with that like as part of their life that they'll her father like went out on her mother died like she has to take care of her siblings still go to school and 
even though like it it's pretty like uh i would say i guess like super like a backstory but like it it's something that that does happen um and usually like the fact that it's acknowledged and like that she's suffering because of it is more than what you would normally expect seeing seeing the effect that it has on her emotionally how that leads to how she actually discovered acting is like it works out yeah and i think like going along with yonagi's struggles like there are definitely moments in this first chapter like where you see her like display a range of emotions but then you kind of realize that are these her genuine emotions or is this kind of just her coping like there's that one really memorable panel where like yonagi's like has a smile and is doing like the peace sign but like if you look at the panel right below it it's like her saying, I should have learned this expression sooner. And it's like, think about how effed up that is. Like, she's learning to have this facade of happiness. And it's kind of really that where you really see, like, Yonagi is a person that is not just acting because she loves acting or anything. It's She's literally dependent on acting. Acting has basically become her way of staying sane it's like that's all she has yeah exactly and it's gonna be the hokage <laughs> and I, I love i love when like her like sister uh ray like just straight up says to her like if you're not gonna be an actor then you'll just be scary <laughs> yeah i mean I, I, speaking of her siblings too i like that they do have that kind of stuff i mean i feel like we talked about it before but i like that they do that kind of stuff where not just i mean it's a cute gag from time to time but i like it on one page i'm reading on chapter one for example that you know her sister is peeking in on her at night as she's watching tv and she's like oh yeah i remember this emotion or whatever and her sister's like uh there she goes again she's become somebody else you know, and I and I like that they are aware of this thing. It's not a thing that she's like. It's so much a part of her psyche that, like, her siblings, or at least, are aware of it too. That yeah, she becomes a completely different person when you know to escape. Yeah, I, I think like I really took Yonagi's siblings for granted the first time that I read this because. Going back to it now, you can really see that they're fully aware that Yonagi is having to live this way, having to really kind of focus so much on finding work, prioritizing everyone else be like besides herself because like she has to take care of them. And you can see that, that actually is like taking a toll on them too because like they don't want their sister to be suffering like this. They want her to, like, be able to live, like, a healthy life. Yeah, I appreciate that because a lot of times, obviously, like, if you talk to anyone who's had, like, a, like, straight up, like, messed up childhood or whatever, but, like, they, they, they notice things, like, um, when, let's say, like, uh, if, if you know someone who grew up with parents divorced, they can obviously, like, tell you, like, what, uh, how stuff, like, went down before, and, like, when they notice, like, rift, uh, parents or whatever, like, they pick up on emotions and as we find out like they're the siblings are basically why yonagi can like going back to being yonagi if, if it wasn't for them like she'd probably be gone yeah i i definitely agree with that like especially because like 
even in this first chapter, like, uh, Arisa Hoshi, like, mentions, like, how Yonagi's acting is kind of a path that is very dangerous, because, like, you can barely, like, easily lose yourself. But at this moment, it is Rui and Rei that are keeping Yonagi grounded, like, otherwise she would just be doing what she was doing before, where she would just be watching these movies constantly on end, just, like, trying to replicate all these emotions in just an endless void. Like, they are saving her from that void. I love this quote that they uh, that she t- says. It's like, whenever something sad or painful happens, we try to become a different version of ourselves, almost to the point of forgetting our true selves, right? Like, dang, it's kind of deep, though. Yeah, and it makes you wonder, like, what is Yonagi's true self? Like, even thinking now, it's like, I I feel like we have a better idea of it now in the story. But, like, at this point, it's really like, okay, like, who is Yonagi really? It kind of creates this kind of aura of, like, mystery around her. But as, like, we go into, like, the later chapters, too, like, Koriyama recruits Yonagi and, like, they start doing, like proper acting gigs like commercials and stuff and you start to kind of really see like signs of like Yonagi's own like personal struggles with like her relationships like they mentioned like uh Koriyama mentions at one point when she's doing a cooking commercial to like act like you're cooking for like your father and like you can see really see that that's bothering Yonagi because obviously her relationship with her father is not great at all. <laughs> I love the Kuroyama and Yanagi, uh, Nagi or Yanaki, however you say her name. Um, I love those moments that they have because, like, she could be like this very sweet, innocent girl. And then once he comes in, she's over here, like, flipping him off and just, like, you know, just calling him names and all that. But Kuroyama, like, I-, I forgot how, like, good of a character he is because, like, he really doesn't give a crap. He just says, says it how it is. He really does. And it's interesting, too, because, like, you see all these different people around Yonagi that are either, like, trying to be, like, either very sympathetic towards her or, like, very kind of distant. But Koriyama isn't like that. He's just straight up about everything. Like, he's like, okay, this is why your acting is not good. This is why it needs to improve. <laughs> I love it. He's like, he's like all right, you want to you know what your problem is? Like, he just says it straight up. Yeah, exactly. I talk about, like, the film crew, too. It's like, all right, this is basically them. You know, he's like giving his opinion, but it's actually, you know, like, oh, he's not lying, though. Yeah, Koryam is essentially playing with the fire that no other agency wants to touch. He's willing to just go in with his hands and play with that fire. I, I was just saying I like guys like that. I was just going to say it's interesting because in the other chat, we, we see that side of him here. Well, remember, we were talking about in the last episode how hands off he is. Like, and I like that, that we're seeing, you know, at the beginning of the series, you would get the idea that he's going to be that normal jump manga um, mentor that he's always there. He's there shaping her. But then as at least from the point of view of me, who's only read the first like three volumes of Act Dodge and then picked up with the, the Simupub, like it and from listening to Marion and Velord about uh, talk about it, it's like it sounds like you don't really see too much of him outside after like the opening, you know after the opening arcs and everything yeah. it's like he, he kind of checks in at the end of each arc but other than that you know, I mean, he, that's it, about it. <laughs> that's what i like about it because like you know at the beginning it's like he's basically training her to become the actress he wants for his film and it just shows he sees her potential but i mean i guess that's obvious though because anyone can see that but it's showing like she's basically he's basically 
spinner get her up now and then after that she's just he's just like basically just lets her go and let her spread her wings i guess i think part of it too is like in these early chapters you can very clearly see like koriyama's setting up the groundwork for yonagi being able to understand the acting industry because because no one has wanted to touch her up until now she has no real acting experience it's all yeah. just pure talent, and she no- needs to know how to channel that talent in a manner that will be appealing for these different companies and studios and all that stuff. And I think, like, in the later arcs, you definitely see this, too, where it's like, he's still kind of there, but he isn't. Like, he's creating the path for Yonagi to be successful. But, like, at this point, it really has to come up to Yonagi's efforts. Like, he's done all he, all, like, he can do to set up these connections and make this a possibility in the first place. I didn't even realize, like, uh, reading it now, and, like, after, like, rereading the first volume, when uh, I was talking to uh, uh, Yonagi about finding, like, somebody for his movie, he's been struggling to find somebody for it. I'm thinking because I was always wondering, like, I wonder how this manga is going to end, and I wonder if that's how it's going to end. It's just he gets, uh, she gets her, and basically they film the movie, and that's it. That's I guess probably, that's probably going to be like because that's like, that's what the build up is for. Because, um, the reason that she gets picked up is because like build up with like Arisa and how he knows her past, uh, did the same kind of method act didn't work out for her, and like you know like there's all these threads that like are connected but we don't really go back to them we just uh move forward with like how yonagi like grows as an actor first yeah i i definitely agree with what you're saying marian like i honestly forgot that kuriyama specifically mentioned a movie this early on and it makes a lot of sense now that that is really kind of the end goal here it seems especially with how kuriyama explained it in the princess iron fan arc where it's all these different pieces that he's playing together, really. Um, so going back to this volume, it really kind of makes sense. Like, Yonagi is the centerpiece of that. And from this point, like, this was him kind of building up this master plan for his film. Which, it's interesting that, like, it's kind of all kind of built up this early on. Like, I feel like... You don't really see this too much, especially in like a jump manga where like they'll plant these seeds that like you might honestly not get to in your serialization. Respect to uh, the author, Atsuya Matsuki. Oh, and uh, his favorite manga is Hunter Hunter. Just just saying that might mean <laughs> something. I don't know. It's not a, it's not an episode with AGI if Hunter Hunter doesn't come out at least. I'm trying to have it kick me off yet. <laughs> if Hunter Hunter isn't mentioned, it's not the real AG. Oh yeah, then we know we're dealing with an alien. We're dealing with an actor. But yeah, no, I, I I agree. Like, and to see this is what I was saying before, and now I feel kind of vindicated because I was always saying that it feels like to me that Act Odds really did know from the giddy up what it wanted to do. And it feel I feel a little bit vindicated reading through volume one again. I mean, granted. I'm not saying in the sense that, oh, you guys are wrong. It, it was always clear that Yonagi was going to get her back <laughs> off. <laughs> but, like, it, it wasn't really that like that. But I always I always got the impression the series very much knew from the beginning chapter what it was going to set out to do. 
And that's one thing I really liked about it compared to this other jump manga, which, well, not even jump manga. I, I don't, I mean, I know I'm the guy that's there to shit on jump, <laughs> but, but like, no, in, in, in the sense of shonen manga or manga in general, when you're serializing something, you can, you, you, there is this sense of fumbling to kind of find out what works. You know, you, you had that first volume usually where you're like, eh, okay, the fans aren't liking that. I mean, it, it's the whole thing. It's a whole meme on Twitter where it's like, I could make the manga about this, but I won't unless. <laughs> so exactly. that that's how first volumes are. But Act Dodge, it felt different to me. Like, it felt like even at the, at the end of volume one, it was like, no, it, it wasn't an idea where after chapter one, it became sort of a different manga. <laughs> But no, Act Age, Act Dodge, by the end of volume one, it was just like it already I it, I got the same thing from chapter one that I did at the final at the end of the volume. And I really like that. It just has this sense of self, you know, honestly, like I can see this right now. Just like the one volume here, like just picturing as an anime, like it, it's just it's just amazing, dude. It really is. And this is going a bit ahead. But like another thing that's really like hardly planted here is even Yonagi's dad's like profession that like he obviously is like pretty well off is just that he's a really crappy dad like because Yonagi is getting money from him like they like uh Rui and Ray mentioned that they are getting money from their father but Yonagi refuses to actually use it at all and that's why she's like looking for work in the first place because she wants to be self like sufficient she wants to like cut herself off from like basically this father that like she resents it really shows her character too like how good of a person she is yeah i mean i like that we had different facets to her personality this early in because definitely i looking at actors from the ins outside in i just kind of got the idea she's kind of like this aloof i mean I, I i feel bad saying it now that i've read it but this kind of aloof mary sue type character you know, I didn't really know much about it other than maybe a couple of clips people, you know, a couple of pages people throw out where she's always doing. And they always throw out, of course, the pages where she's doing something amazing on stage or on the film. Right. And, you know, obviously, when I read the first chapter, the first couple of pages, she seems very kind of out there. <laughs> but like, man, as I was reading through it, I'm like, OK, no, she's very much a very multifaceted character. She's more than just a trope. Or a, um, yeah, a trope or a character archetype. She's very, she's got mo many different, you know, she does get vulnerable a little bit in the first volume. She does, she is aloof, and a lot of people comment on that. She is strong willed, as AG has said, you know, there she's, she's like almost a complete, I mean, I no, not even almost. She's like a complete package, which you don't get that with a lot of these manga, like right off the bat, right. you know. It, it feels like you're building and it makes sense. Obviously I'm not definitely not trying to talk bad about other manga. Cause obviously you're supposed, it's just like with a real relationship with the person, you get to know them as you go along. But I kind of like that in, in despite that, I kind of like that Yonagi is you get like this entire package of this character. So it's after that point, it's more about watching them grow into different roles, literally <laughs> from there. Rather than okay, oh wow, wait, that that's what Yonagi's like. Oh, okay, that's surprising, but we'll, we'll roll with it. it. It doesn't feel like that. Yeah, I feel like if you just like read the first chapter of Actage, 
I honestly could see someone just like brushing off Yonagi's like a tragic heroine or something. But when you look deeper in, like that's not the case. Like there's so many different sides to her that we see, like even throughout this first volume. And it's all those together that make up Yonagi. She is the amalgamation of all these different traits and feelings that not only have come from her burdens, but also what she's learned, what she's taken in during like her coping. And I think that's kind of the big point here is that that is kind of Yonagi's identity. It's like trying to fix all these different like pieces together, but there is an identity there. Yes. And I love how they don't actually like have the, uh, obviously she's the main character. So they have her as the center of attention. But I mean, I guess to make you guys uh, happy, it's they bring in, you know, another character like a uh, Chiyoko as the uh, another sort of attention. Like there's like a rival in a sense. And honestly, it's like it's kind of like you don't think it could get better. And it just does. Yeah. And it's interesting how like um, they characterize Chiyoko in contrast to Yonagi because Yonagi is kind of this person who is taking in everything around her like she has a clear identity when she's doing a role where Chioko is more kind of empty in a way like she's trying to create an appearance that is appealing to her audience like she's trying to make it so that she has no personal identity she only has a public identity yeah I mean that and let's that's not to say that Chiyoko has one of the best introductions I've ever seen <laughs> for a rival. Honestly. Like her free, her every movement. I mean, we can talk about Uzaki's artwork too a bit. Like her every Ooh. movement with ears, like it's very, she takes over every panel she's in. And like, I would, if I am a prospective anime director, I would actually be a little bit worried about how do I portray this? Cause there's just, so much like you know even without knowing who she is what her role is from the just from the way she's introduced from just the way what she says from how the pages are framed and everything like i mean she descends literally like an angel <laughs> uh, like from from heaven so like in the, from another in another manga more uh, another supernatural manga that'd be like oh, okay ho hum but in a manga like this it's it's much more striking because Act Dodge isn't like this supernatural battle manga. And her coming in, it's kind of like, it's really captivating. Yeah. It really is. And like, that's one of those things I think Act Dodge excels at. It's creating these fantastical experiences that still feel grounded enough to reality. Like, when you look at like Chiyoko kind of like coming in like an angel, you're not like, what the heck is this? This is a entirely different manga like it feels natural but at the same time unnatural which is really kind of going with the entire like theme of Actage because you have Yonagi who has the ability to really kind of replicate any kind of like acting but at the same time being able to do that is unnatural and Choco is kind of just the mirror reflection of that in a way and it's really cool to see yeah no I, I, I totally agree with that I'm just kind of flipping through volume one now. And again, one thing that we've mentioned several times on the show is just how well paced Act Dodge is. And I think more reading through this for first volume again, more than anything, that's just been reinforced to me. Cause like volume one gives you all the information you need. 
you know, to know what Act Dodge is about. And the fact that it doesn't leave off, I mean, yeah, it leaves off on a cliffhanger. I won't say it doesn't. But the way that it's presented, by the time Volume 1 is over, it's not so much like, oh, man, now I got to go to the next one and find out what's going to happen. It's more of a thing where it's like, that was just so well compacted, well paced, and everything like that, that you want to go on. You're not feeling compelled to. It's more of a thing where it's like, I just really like how these characters are put together and everything like that. Yeah, it ends with them starting with the Death Island arc, of course. But it's just super well paid. I mean, we get the rival, we get we get the Yonagi, who's pretty well fleshed out in one vault already. We get, you know, Sumiji, uh Kuroyama, you know, who's the director and already mentions what the end game is, and we get the rival all in one volume, and it doesn't feel like, oh, man, that's that's too much going on at once. It's just very well-paced. Very well, Everything is put together in a sense like, again, it's just this idea that it has this strong sense of self, though it doesn't need to rush. It doesn't need to over-explain. It's just like, I know what I need to do. I'm in, I'm out. Like a good, like a good actor would be, you know? <laughs> it feels very natural, and honestly, like, there's very rare manga where I would just be like, like even with Hunter Hunter, I'm just like I would have to be like oh get like a, a a few volumes or whatever. But like just with Actage, I'm like I'll just hand somebody the first volume. And I'm like there you go, and it's all you now. Because I mean, honestly, the first volume speaks so much uh, to the, what the series is about, and just like you know Sakaki says, is just to I me mean, it just brings it together. And hey man, it's so great. <laughs> I'm just gonna I'm gonna reread it again. It's really interesting too because like you can tell that the series is taking its time to build up these elements, but at the same time they're all coming within this short time span. And it's it's a great kind of balance there because it nothing feels like it's coming too fast, nothing feels like it's coming too slow. It's just like this perfect balancing act. And it almost makes you wonder, like, how the heck did Matsuki do this? Honestly, I think he, I know, if I'm not mistaken, I think he, like, went into film something. So I think that's why the paneling is always, or I know he's big, big into it. I think that's why, like, the paneling is very uh, well put together. Yeah, he does storyboards, right? Yeah, Matsuki still does the storyboards, but then Usazaki, like, obviously draws the actual thing. Yeah, yeah. It's like, um, same thing with uh, Inagaki. So I was I was trying to remember who it was that did the same thing, like Inagaki and Boichi for Dr. Stone. I remember when we went to, yeah, it was ANYC. And I was actually really surprised that Boichi was just like, I mean, Inagaki's storyboards are great. I, I don't even know why he needs me, honestly. <laughs> and then you see Boichi draw and you're like, oh, this is why he needs him. <laughs> He busts them out in 20 minutes. I love how Uriah Brown even said no artist that they've had at a panel before has been able to draw two sh- full shashiki arts in that amount of time with backgrounds. He didn't just draw the characters. He drew backgrounds. He drew multiple characters. Yeah, because like he finished one board and he's just like, give me another one. And they're like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I remember the editor even said that he's like one of the fastest in the game. Like they, you know, it's it's amazing. And it makes sense since Boichi does like four series. <laughs> like, so and Doctor with Dr. Stone. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but yeah. I mean, basically I brought brought that up though, because I kind of wonder if um 
Matsuki, you know, how much autonomy he has on the storyboards himself. Like, are they mostly completed when Uzazaki, you know, you know, gets gets them? Or is it just literally like, you know, oh, he just kind of has stick figures positioned where he wants the characters to be and Uzazaki does the rest. That's one thing. Because going, you know, going to what uh um AG said, if it's the former where he's like actually giving her mostly finished storyboards, then I could see how his film experience would come in handy and why this series does look the way it does. But if it's just he's if uh Matsuki is just basically doing the writing and Uzaki's in charge of all the art, that's even more impressive because I mean this is you know Uzazaki's first serial. Matsuki he even says like he did made sloppy storyboards and I don't know what volume it was. It might have been volume three or something, but at the at the at the uh, back of the volume they put uh actual storyboards that Matsuki uh drew and they were just basically just like pencil penciling like just basic so he definitely does storyboards um i don't know if he does it for every chapter but i mean it's not really i guess the art isn't really great per se but it, it gives you it gives at least uzazaki what she needs to uh you know bring the story out oh you're right i totally forgot about this yeah i've got volume three open right now oh i have actually volume three as well i, I need to look at this then yeah I'm i have volume three as well <laughs> oh sweet bro let's go buying actage in japanese like the real fans do yeah i mean i unlike everybody else i've actually not read any of the i've never read any of it in english like other than the couple of simu pub chapters <laughs> that i've read for the previous episode but so this i've been reading it in japanese straight up and yeah no i'm looking at it. i mean I, I i would wonder i mean i'm looking through it now let's see I put the translation up. Okay, yeah. I mean, if you put the translation up, definitely um anybody that's listening, you know, uh AG has a great act dodge on Twitter, so hey. they got all kinds of translation stuff on there. So definitely check that out. But um plug though. That's like a big reason why, like only because I mean I I wanted to like support the authors, or whatever, but I kinda I kinda felt bad like before Viz started uh they licensed our release of the chapters because like really all you had to do is read scanlations basically to uh, catch up at least even now so like that would be like my excuse to like support the authors is just buy the volumes but i'm not gonna lie though it's like even if i can't freaking read japanese it's the art is just still amazing to look at oh yeah oh yeah definitely like i mean I'm, I'm i wouldn't tell anybody to you know go spend your money on something you can't read if that's not your thing but if you just want act dodge, you can't go wrong reading and buying the volumes, even if you can't read them. Yeah, like even before there are like really translations of it out there, what I ended up doing was just like buying the Japanese volumes simply because like even though my like Japanese was absolute garbage at the time, I just really wanted to like see Yusazaki's artwork and just like kind of piece together the story that way. And, like, honestly, like, a lot of the volume extras are really good for Actage. Like, even in Volume 1, we haven't mentioned them, but, like, there's character bios, there's a little gag page chapter at the back. It's some pretty nice stuff. So even if you've been reading it, like, in the Shonen Jump vault, I'd say pick up the volumes if you really like it, because having those extra goodies is totally worth it. Um, and hey, if like you don't have a physical copy, buy a physical copy. If you want a digital, get a digital. 
I think it's just an extra nice way to support the series. That that is included in the bios and everything. It's an obvious, obvious for this kind of manga. It is everybody's favorite movie. So remember oh, when I was reading this and I was reporting it on Twitter, you know, that this was before volume one came out, obviously. So I was translating the little extras in the back. And yeah, I, I do like seeing the characters' favorite movies and how that reflects how they approach acting. I like how Kuroyama's is like, he thinks it's gauche to talk about your favorite movies. Oh, I, I, I see it here on page uh, 86. He refuses to talk about his favorite movies or his ideology about film. The type that, who considers it gauche for artists to discuss their own work. Oh, yeah. He's like, like um, he has like this level of respect for himself and his craft. Uh, that it it goes like a little bit beyond like pride and a little bit beyond being humble. That like it it shows like his work ethic. I mean, it it shows like um, he's not in it for the money. He's in it for the art. Right. Yeah. That's what I love about that. Yeah, like I mean, again, it, it I really like the timing of us reading this first volume, especially after again for me reading the Simulpus for the first time. You know, for the current arc that's going on, and one chapter did start with Yonagi finally going to go see a movie that uh, Sumiji uh, directed, and um, I like that. You know, one of his reactions was, it, it, "It's funny. He's like he too is called him kind of multifaceted, but you don't get that from chapter one unlike you do with Yonagi." Because, like, yeah, he's saying all this now, but then in the later chapter where they go to see the movie, and she was like, "Okay, I liked it." You know, his reaction was like, you know, partially was just kind of like, oh, geez, you know, oh, yeah, that's what everybody says. And at the same time, it was like, yeah, but I was also afraid you wouldn't like it. So, yeah, like, like, thank God. Yeah. You know, it's this it's this weird combination of things where he's like, he's kind of like not unhappy that she likes it, but he's also kind of like, OK, yeah, I expected that. But at the same time, I actually was. A little bit of me was afraid you wouldn't like it. It's not that I was scared, Baka. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it is, like, their relationship is weird in that sense that they both are kind of Sundere towards each other, but it's not done in a way that is kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's to create drama. We can't have these characters speaking their true feelings this early in the series. What are you, crazy? You have to milk this for all it's worth. No, it's kind of done in a way with uh yonagi and um sumiji where it's like they they say something they'll say like you know they'll say something that seems that comes off like okay i just don't want to be you know vulnerable but then on the very next page they'll say their true intention and it's like and and it matches up with that so you're like okay it's like yeah there were several times where like um in the in the sumipo where yonagi was talking was kind of like you know, worried about her position with Sumiji, but then as soon as he revealed like, oh, well, this is all for me to build you up into a better actor, then she's like, oh, okay. You know, she, it's never, it's not a thing where she stopped, ever stopped believing in him. It was just kind of like a thing. She was more, it was more inwardly, inwardly directed, I guess, where she was kind of wondering, do I have the ability to match up to this guy's grand scheme? But then by him laying out what it is, you know, that with that line of communication where he lays out what a grand scheme is and how she fits in it, then she's once again, you know, built up like, yes, I, I can do this. Yeah, like I think the way I see Yonagi and Koriyama's relationship at this point is 
one that is just kind of based around mutual like respect for each other but like they don't want to openly admit that like they fully respect the other person but at the same time like they want to like help each other in some way and like for kuriyama it's kind of wanting to have yonagi like in his movie and wanting to make yonagi a star and yonagi wants to live up to those expectations yeah i think what helps a lot is the fact that even though like uh kuriyama is like after this he's basically sort of hands off except directing her towards whatever her gigs are um in this volume when she does do like the the jobs that like uh like the commercial with like or the being the extra in the metal period set or whatever like he does point out like what her flaws were in and how her approach even though like she was just acting the way that she knows how to which is like uh living out her experiences like teaches her like how she could use like her experience as like how like how she does her method acting or whatever in order to do a role that's not actually her um and being able to provide that kind of insight is like the reason that people are directed right so like being being able to like prove himself at least in that sense to her is i i think that's like the first moment where she realizes that like oh so i do have like stuff to learn from this guy uh even see it with like the 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 guy who was like originally directing that he's just like and that kuroyama guy he just this for a ride like he basically used us to help cultivate like this yes <laughs> yes i actually like that did he just use me for a training arc honestly like that that entire like uh edo period uh, set like of chapters is like the highlight of the volume for me just because of like for one, how ridiculous it gets at times with, like, Yonagi, like, drop-kicking that one actor. And also just, like, seeing Yonagi kind of, like, really struggle to, like, just be someone that she's not. And someone that would really contradict her own morals of, like, having to watch a child die. Like, and even when she gets, like, completely still for the scene, she starts crying and putting all the like, attention of the scene on her. And it's like, you can really see her struggling to fit this role, but she just can't. I love that when she kicks the guy, he's just like, he's just like, ha look at that! Like, he just doesn't even care. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. All according yeah. to Keikaku. He just eggs her on. He's just like, yeah, if you were a real actor, you wouldn't have done that, you amateur. And, like, <laughs> just, like, eggs her on like that. That's, like, that. that's where you get, like, that playfulness where it's, like, they don't want to acknowledge how uh, good the other is or like how necessary they are for each other's growth. But um, the fact that uh, that whole part where it's just like when she realizes that the the character that she's assigned isn't supposed to be meant to be played by her as herself. Um, and that, that's where the whole issue was where she, where she sees like the little kid dying and thinks that like, Oh no, that's like my little sister or whatever. But like, no, if if you stop her, if if you stop the that samurai guy from killing that kid, uh, then in this script, then you would actually die, and then they would target your real like little sister, whatever. And that kind of like that like perspective, uh, being able to like twist it in order to like fit into that, that kind of like method acting or whatever. I I have to wonder like where did like Kuriyama learn how to, to like direct actors like that? Like we know that he. He's like aware of uh uh Ms. Hoshi's uh past uh Arisa 
um, like, was he, like, there when, like, she had, like, her breakdown or whatever? I would definitely love to see more of, like, Sumiji's rise, honestly. Uh, Kuroyama, excuse me. Yeah. I'd love to see his rise into prominence. And, you know, because at the end, it, see, he's, it's weird. He's in this weird spot where he's, like, almost at the cusp of his arc, <laughs> So, so to speak, yeah. if, he, if he were the protagonist of this manga, we'd be he's at the almost at the end of the serialization. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it, it's interesting to me, but we don't we, we haven't seen what got him there. <laughs> you know? uh, I would love to say more stuff about him. Really? Yeah, because like Koreama is one of those people where like we know a good amount about him, but. We don't know why he is the way he is now. What made him this kind of like outlandish director in the first place? And like, I think say even for like Arisa, we've learned like the majority of Arisa's past at this point, besides like the actual like context of her breakdown. But like for Kuriyama, we don't even have that much detail. It's just kind of like, Okay, he's popular internationally. He's worked with like a lot of like prolific people, but like, how did he get to that point? Wh- what was the source of all this? Why is he like capable of directing these method actors? Exactly. Yeah, I mean, like, I wonder if we're even going to get that too, because Matsuki might pull it to Gashi and just like, we got a cool character, but we don't know how he became that cool or something. <laughs> I would, it wouldn't surprise, I, I feel like at this point, I wouldn't be too bent out of shape if Matsuki did just say Kuriyama is just Kuriyama. That's that's all you need to know. I do feel like at some point, though, be as because definitely there's a thing going on, even in this volume where his and Yonagi's like um, tangents are beginning to commingle. So I do feel like at some point, like there's going to be no way for her to get to her to get to to get to the point that she that he wants her to be at, there's no way that more of him isn't gonna need to come out. So like I, I, I do think that at some point, I mean Matsuki, I don't know. Matsuki could figure out some way to like untangle them and still have them going parallel you know, parallel to each other. And it would still be a really entertaining series to just see uh Yonagi's rise to being a prophilic actress. But I feel like at some point, there, if if it's going to really feel genuine, Kuriyama, we're gonna have to learn more about him. Mm-hmm. I just like this idea of him just kind of. He, I mean, so far, I, I mean, I, I kind of like just listening to you guys talk about this because, of course, I'm behind, you know, by several volumes. So everything I'm hearing is kind of like, again, it's kind of like how Yonaki's siblings are learning about Kuriyama in this volume, which is like they look him up. So everything I'm hearing about what's going on is just kind of like through other people's perception of him, which is really interesting. Cause I can't wait till I start reading, even though it sounds like from what you guys are saying, it's not like we get a whole lot more. We get enough. He's not just an enigma, but not so much that he's like, Oh, okay. He's an open book. So I kind of like this. Uh, I kind of prefer this almost versus you guys saying, Shh, we can't tell Sakaki anything. Let him discover it on his own. Like this yeah. is actually getting more hype to read than yeah. if you didn't you say no that. Spoilers. I was to say, didn't you say you get better? Uh, you more interested in series when you do get spoiled? Yeah, I mean that that's just me personally. I mean, I know spoiler culture and blah blah blah, but for me personally, 
you actually turn me off on something if you say I'm not going to tell you. You have to go find out. <laughs> then, I'm, then it's likely I probably won't. <laughs> but like, if you tell me, oh, this guy dies, I'm like, what? I, I, then I'll probably go right to that episode. I'll skip over episode one and go to the episode where that guy dies. <laughs> then just be like, oh, okay, he died. But what led up to this? And yeah. what's the aftermath of it? Then I'll go back to episode one and find out how this guy. I mean. That's how I got into One Piece. I technically didn't start at episode one. I started eh, at the end of Whiskey Peak. <laughs> so I actually didn't see Ar- the arc that everybody says is the best, Arlong. I actually didn't see that until way later. <laughs> so like being thrown into the wolves is more interesting to me than um, you know, being told, okay, start baby steps. So at this point, I might even just go to Princess Font, the Princess Park, and just read it. I mean, I'm I'm trying to contain myself, contain my power level, and just keep reading it in order. But like from everything that you guys have told me, it sounds great. Yeah, I mean, you're currently in the railroad arc, right? Yes. I actually just while you guys were talking, I actually opened up volume four. And yeah, that's what like volume four opens up with the Galactic Railroad. One of the best arcs. Yeah, the the railroad arc is amazing. So I I would recommend finishing the railroad arc simply because the next major arc after that is Iron Fan, anyways. Okay, okay, got it. Because yeah, no, I'm on. I'm specifically on scene twenty six. So yeah, like the beginning of volume four. Yeah, so you're like halfway there, I think. Okay, that's about right. Yeah. So I mean, okay. It's an easy binge. It really is. Like, I, I cried so hard. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they die. Imagine B-Lore crying for a second thing. Now you're getting me more hype. <laughs> you yeah, know, I'm just I, I, I actually started reading. <laughs> you guys are talking. <laughs> so also, that reminds me, I probably should put a spoiler disclaimer on this episode. <laughs> yeah, we're so sorry. Not to, but then y'all just kept popping off, and I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I'll pop off. Honestly, though, I think this is better that we're doing it this way, simply because, like, because like we've like read the recent chapters, going back and thinking about it from okay, what is what does this mean now? Like now that we're like so far in. Yeah, I mean, I feel like we wouldn't be able to. Have- I even enjoy it more now than I did the first time. Yeah, same here, and I think. That's because, like, you see all these elements that are, like, the kind of, like, basis for what we've gotten. What's made Actaj so great now. You know what made Actaj so great that was uh, in this first volume? Agent Smith. He was here. He was in Chapter 1. I had no idea. Whoa. Are you kidding me? Wait, what? (laughs) You're right. Smith, he's he's in Chapter (laughs) 1. Break the uh, cameras. Yes. Wait, what page is Smith on? Uh, he was... Uh, hold on. He was in chapter one. Uh, I'll tell you right now. I'm just skipping forwards during the yeah, audition. I forgot about that. When you go to uh, Arisa. We got all these setups, man. We All these people we don't even remember. Yeah, I mean, geez. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought he was in chapter one. Like, I need to find my boy Smith. Yeah, I'm looking through it now, too. And Mr. Mrs. Smith. Yeah, I forgot what his actual name is. <laughs> Shimizu. Oh, yes. Shimizu. Yes, that was his name. It's messed up because I actually thought that he was like a foreigner. <laughs> I mean, the way he's drawn, he looks like a foreigner. So I just assumed he was until he's like, my name's not actually Smith. 
love how this uh one of these pages uh Hiragi's trying to uh, tell Yama's get to basically get a job and he's so focused on what he's doing he's like this is no time for jobs <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like I'm looking for that and now I, I, I was I got caught up in that and I'm also now looking for Smith too maybe I was That's, wrong maybe it was chapter one but it, maybe it was like chapter two yeah let's I mean well anyway before we get caught up looking for Smith like yeah I is it, is like I was saying like I don't think we'd be able to have as meaningful a conversation if we just limited ourselves to what is happening in chapter one I mean, I do feel a little bad because I, you know, as I was talking about spoilers, I was thinking back in my head, oh, God, <laughs> I really shouldn't be saying this. But again, it's I, I guess just for me, it's unique because, again, I've only read up to volume the early volumes and then jumped to the um, the the semi pub. So like my experience really is just there's there's this huge gap. And being in filling in that gap little by little, again, I find that more interesting than just saying, okay, well, I'm not going to touch the Simbu pubs until, you know, I've caught up, which, and of course, besides that, it's probably a long time until I catch up. So (laughs) 147, I found Smith. Page 147? Yeah. All right. Like finding Waldo. (laughs) Finding Smith. Wait, 147. Uh, There's a. There's no number on it. Okay. Yep, I found him. Oh, yeah, there's Smith. There's our boy. Yep, Yep, it is. I mean, well, at least for the Japanese volume. He shows up first on page 94. 94. Okay. Look at at what our podcast has evolved into. (laughs) Okay, I flipped the page, and the next page I found was Smith on 94. Fate. Yep, I, I see him. I see him on 94. Oh, and even yeah. Arisa calls him Smith, and then she and she's like, it's Shimizu. <laughs> uh, <is your> <laughs> yeah, I see it. Yep, she does. See, this is another thing I love about rereading. This is just small things you totally miss the first time you read it. Like, she doesn't even break character either. She she doesn't correct herself. She's he's just like... She, <laughs> she doesn't care. He's like Shimizu, and then she just goes on with her next sentence like he didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, they should bring him back. Is he in the uh, recent chapters? Yeah, he yeah, is. he's the uh, he's the manager of the little girl. Yeah, yeah. Satsuki. Or oh, dude, that's yeah. when I that's when I put it on break again. I've been waiting to binge it again. Yeah, no, oh, no. Cool, yeah. I got something to look forward to. Hey, yeah, that uh, that's why again because she I thought she came up with the nickname, but I mean, if this is the way it is, maybe somebody else did, and she just calls him that. I mean, the way that she talked to him because it's just like. You know, she called him Smith, and he's like, "That's not my name." She's like, "But yeah, but you're cooler as a foreigner, though." <laughs> so, <laughs> I would have assumed origin story of just Smith. I I would love it now at this point too, because like I just assumed, okay, she came up with the nickname. I mean, kids do that, you know, whatever. But if Arisa is calling him Smith too, then. <laughs> Where did this nickname come from? I mean, the series did make a joke that like Satsuki is like an Arisa Junior, so maybe she just like learned it from her. <laughs> I can see Arisa just being like, "I respect your power level. I'll, I'll <laughs> I will call him Smith too. <laughs> I will defer to your your judgment." <laughs> but that's so cool. I didn't notice that. I mean, obviously, reading it for I'm just reading volume one for the first time i wouldn't have thought of it either but yeah i didn't think back to that that actually smith has appeared already yeah and then he shows up later like uh ag said uh like during chiyoko's introduction uh arisa and one of the the extras like right after the chapter 
like one of those photographers took photos of Chiyoko up of Chiyoko's skirt. Find him and take care of it. And he's like, right, shall I destroy the camera or the photographer? <laughs> yes, I remember that actually. <laughs> I do remember that because that's it's so... really, he's the most underrated character in this series. He really is. No, I, I need more Smith. Like, seriously. I think is. I never even knew about him until uh, yesterday. That's the bad thing. But I read this. I'm like, hey, new character. Oh, <laughs> Wait, he was here like the whole time. time. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, no. I, I reread this thing right before because I'm like, I, I definitely need to. Everything's like, it's that kind of thing. And once you like read a series for a while and then you forget yeah, really for what sure. happens. Yeah, from the you know from the start and everything like that. I mean, I again, I'm really glad I, I did it this way because then I wouldn't be able to join in with the Smith. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I just found the page. You know, you know, Rikari Mashita, Kamra Old Deska, Kamra Man Old Deska, Data Desho. Bro, your Japanese is so good, man. <laughs> I know. I'm just sitting here and listening the whole time. <laughs> No, no, it isn't. <laughs> it isn't. I, it's just it, these, these sentences are really simple. So that was okay. no. If I had to read something way more complex, no. <laughs> you definitely know I'm a gaijin. <laughs> but yeah, no. Yeah, I, I it's found like it. Sugoi and Wakata and I. It's just like. Yeah, but I see it now. Yeah, I remember this page too. And he's got like this dark expression too. Like he he's killed a guy before. <laughs> oh, not new to him. He's he's definitely killed someone before. <laughs> Smith is the real main character of Akash. Exactly. We're gonna find that out. It's not Sumiji or um um Yonagi. It, it it's yeah. it's actually yeah, Shimizu. Dude, and I love the uh not I mean bring back the art. It's like it, like definitely tell it, it i don't want to like put her down but it kind of like i wouldn't say amateurish but it's not like comparing to it now i would say it's just like, like almost like a new manga per se yeah that, for sure. just, that's always the case with like especially um like newer serialized artists like it's it's the same when we went back to uh kimetsu and like looking back at like chapter one and then like chapter 200 like you just see like the evolution and how um, like there's these, these people are drawing manga like week to week and like they they end up like knowing their characters so well that they just know how to like streamline the process. So, yeah. Like this is like the best way to draw it like without like like spending too much time but then showing the right amount of detail and making sure that like uh, they have like the right expression or whatever and it, it's just really cool seeing like evolution of art especially for rookies. Um, oh yeah, in, in like a long running manga, like is this is really satisfying, dude. And yeah, that no. she's twenty two years old just blows my mind. Yeah, no, it, it's amazing to think about it. Like, and I agree with Mary, and it's just it, especially with um rookie artists and everything like that. It, it, it's human nature. <clears throat> it's human nature to like want to take. I won't say shortcuts because that sounds really kind of. I mean, it's not wrong, but it sounds way more negative than I wanted to. But it is just like, yeah, you start getting to a point where it's like you want to when you start off a new serialization, I can imagine you want to put your best foot forward. It's, your, it's like your first day at work. <laughs> you know, you want to you want to show that you're you got hired for the jobs. So you want to show that, you know, they didn't waste their time hiring you. So but as time goes by, then you do kind of start finding ways to do your job a little bit more 
Yeah, I guess a better way, efficiently, rather than saying taking shortcuts, you start figuring out ways to do your job more efficiently while getting better at doing it to a point where it's like you're doing the job efficiently and at the highest caliber that you can. But like I would even say, but the thing I would say with Actos versus Kimetsu is like, well, no, they're actually both the same in the fact that they get way more ambitious. But I think Kimetsu takes a little bit more time to get to that point. But yeah. Act Dodge, it feels like Uzazaki, perhaps because she's freed from having to write too, she can focus more on the artwork. Because like by volume two, it's gone from serviceable, and I, I mean even serviceable, I would is is disingenuous. It's really good in volume one, but by volume two, it's like already you're seeing sparks of just like um, like um how deftly the composition is handled and everything like that. Especially if like just looking at the page that Matsuki put up in volume three, like if Matsuki is doing the storyboards like that, I would have to say I I'm already really impressed. Even if his artwork isn't the best, like if he's in charge of storyboards and Uzaki is just like, you know, adding her own flair to it, they're really a really good match, you know? Yeah. And like, um, as far as, like, the art improvement went, like, I think it was definitely, like, around kind of, like, the, like, uh, 20s range. Because even in, like, uh, Manga Plus's interview with uh, Shumura Koshi, the Actage editor, like, he mentioned, like, around there, that's when, like, uh, Usazaki was, like, actively kind of, like, changing, like, her art style. And you can really kind of tell because it does get a lot more hyper-detailed, like you said. Like, it's, it's a case where... It's improved, but it's improved in such a drastic way that it kind of almost looks like a different manga to an extent. And that's not to say, like, the early volumes look bad at all. Like, they look really good and has a very distinct look. But it also just shows that Usazaki had so much potential to begin with. Because they picked her up, like, because of her fan art. And... Like, they saw that much potential in that, and this is kind of her living up to that potential in a way. They made a good choice. I even love the uh, the wardrobe, that the very unique wardrobe, even if it's a, a t-shirt with a barfing frog on it. Uh, it's very unique how she changes it. Like, when you think, too, I mean, I know in acting you have to have different wardrobes, but most uh, shonen manga, you know, they have the same clothes throughout the whole series. This one, it's like I feel like every volume there's something different or yeah. chapter really. That's appropriate too because you're an actor, you're playing so many different roles. It makes yeah. sense that you would have like a different wardrobe. Yeah, and like outside of like Yonaki's like school uniform, you rarely like see her in like the same clothing again and again after like the initial volumes. Like it's usually her in like different stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that. Like, and I, I do have to. Yeah, no, I'm thinking about the the chapters I've read, and then going to Simu Pub, and it is a sense of, like, not even just Yonagi, but like all of the other characters where they have like really different, varied outfits and everything. Because I mean, I'm looking through Volume um, Four right now, and yeah, like all of the characters. I can even just not knowing who anybody really is, I can tell what their personalities are like just from what they're wearing. I, I mean, I won't say too much because I know we've already really gone into spoiler yeah. territory. But I mean, I'm seeing this one girl with glasses and everything. I'm looking at the same page, man. I was just about to talk about 
So I'm seeing this one. I I mean, well, I, her name's here, but I I mean, well, like I said, I, I'm gonna avoid saying too much. But yeah. yeah, I really like her look. And then you know, I guess she takes all she takes all the glasses and like just her facial features. I mean, I'm I'm not reading too deeply, but like yeah, like just her facial features and everything that's going on, you can definitely tell what kind of character, what kind of person she is. Okay, now I'm reading deeply, and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's how good the manga is when you get yeah, so no. distracted yeah I just again I, I'm not gonna lie I've been reading it a little bit while we've been talking just because <laughs> everything you guys have been saying has made me want to be like okay let me get back to this I mean I'm reading so many manga at once now that I thought is definitely one of the ones that stand out to me because when I did read volume one I read that one and then I just picked up volume two and I only expect, I was like, okay, I'll read volume two tonight and then that'll be it. But then I've read all of death Island <laughs> because it was just that good. <laughs> so like, like, yeah, I can see if I really sit down and read this arc, I might like blaze do it. Like the only thing that would slow me down just a little bit is again, while I know Japanese, is not my like native language. So I do have to slow down sometimes and reread things that I probably wouldn't if I were in English, if I was reading it in English. But anyway, to get back to volume one before I end up reading all of volume four on <laughs> this podcast. <laughs> but um, to get back to volume one, yeah, we, you know, we're introduced to a new set. And one thing I love about Shonen Manga too is they're getting introduced to a like, new set of characters like this guy. You know, we have like like Takemitsu here, uh, Karasuma, Karasuyama. Yeah, I was going to bring really that up. like Ren Goku. <laughs> I want to say he and Rengoku, they go to the same style. Takamitsu is totally the Rengoku of this series. Really is. Like, like I'm reading. He has to be voiced by Hino Satoshi when the anime comes out. I will be really disappointed if he's not. But I mean, it's a. I mean, we all know there's going to be an anime. Oh yeah, Yeah. no no doubt. Yeah, there's not. I mean, that's that's like the safest bet at this point. (laughs) 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 Like, yeah. I mean, dude, I almost thought it was going to be like. I got like so upset because when I was first reading it, uh, this is like you know after the jump start and Viz didn't pick it up. I was like, they they made an announcement. I was like, I don't know what happened. I was like, oh yo, this manga is getting really good, and uh, all of a sudden they're like, oh, um, two volume two and three are going to be like one month after another released. And when they said announce that, I'm like, oh crap, that. is is it axed? I got so scared. I'm like, oh no, dude. Uh, no, it was just for popularity, and I'm just like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah, that that's the interesting thing too, because like Actage wasn't like a hit out of the gate, kind of like Demon Slayer, but like you never really see it trying to rush anything. It's still taking its time, even here. Like most manga, they try to like sprint to the next arc or something by this point, and yeah, it gets to like the Death Island arc by the end of this volume, but. It doesn't feel like it suddenly is just thrown at you. It felt like a natural progression to that point. Like, that's what works about it, because, like, we brought this up earlier, but the fact that it just goes at its pace, um, you could you could make an argument whether or not, like, it's, like, quote-unquote, like, fast-paced or not, but, um, like, we, we've been, like, praising, like, Matsuki for, like, how he just, like, goes through each chapter and just, like, gives what we, what we have to to get to, like, the next part. And whether or not like it goes fast or not is just that's just like that's just the way that the the manga itself is paced. And then being able to like have that kind of confidence to just like go at uh, at the pace that you uh, in order to like 
do things coherently is something that a lot of it's like that's something that you have to learn and a lot of people or a lot of rookies have like trouble like learning that and i think that's what that's what helped because what like uh being able to like go from one volume and then like the next two are like released like uh back to back uh it, it it shows that like yeah people people are like in tune to like the story or whatever even though it's not making like that much of a wave like at first uh people people have like enough uh not trust confidence but like they they have enough interest to like keep following and i think that's what helps it a lot because um this is like the kind of story where like each arc it it could it, it feels a little bit like hunter hunter in that sense where like after each arc it feels like it could just end right there uh because we get a lot of uh like climactic emotional moments but also a a a, a level of like tangible growth to yonagi and like how she like grows as an actor uh and yeah like just like the fact that it keeps on it, the, the the series is able to keep on going after that is more like a uh it feels like a treat like yeah okay great we got a good arc that is good enough to be like it's it's good enough to be something that uh the series could have ended right there but we're going to keep getting more so like be for us like i feel like i read something and i, I kind of agree with it too where you say basically act dodge with cotton wouldn't be that good if it kind of slows down its pace a little bit and i, I kind of agree with that too because like i mean the pace isn't really that fast let's say compared to comparing to kometsu definitely keeps up enough where it still makes you uh inch so easily yeah so i definitely think if they if they slowed it down i don't think it, it would uh really be beneficial for the series but i mean hey who's to know I mean, let's just let's just put this in perspective. We essentially get like three acting jobs for I mean, I might be a bit off on this, but we get three acting jobs for Yonagi in this first volume. Like yeah. that's that's pretty I'm not I again like Marion and AG said, I'm not going to argue whether that's too fast or too slow. That's really up to your that's up to the reader. But you have to admit to an extent that's more than you'd get out of many other manga, like out of the first volume where we've got three basically, I mean, not complete, but we get, you know, we get a feel for what the manga is offering us and what the character's level is and their, you know, sought after profession. And we get an idea of what they, what works for them, what doesn't work, what they need to improve on. We get all of that in volume one. So, which is, you know, it's a it's I wouldn't say it's fast as much as it is. We get a lot of information like and I feel like, as AG said, that if Act Dodge were to kind of relent a bit, it would probably it would do it. Le- I don't think it would ruin the series, but I think it would do it less good than yeah. it, it, it wouldn't work as well for it for it to relent a little bit. Because again, even Death Island, you know, now going past that. Even that Death Island is two volumes long, which for at least for me, you know, reading Actos so far, that feels like a lot, but it breezes right. Again, I only intended to read one one volume, but by the time I got back out, I had finished two and it didn't feel like that. It felt like, oh, I just read one a couple of chapters. So, yeah, and that's another thing I love about this manga, man, because it's there's like for Shona Jump, you mean, you, you know, they get uh tons of manga every year like this one like 
I don't know. There's sometimes I could just tell this manga is going to be good or not, or at least be hopeful. But I mean, just yeah. the originality in this thing is just like it's definitely uh definitely one of a kind. I would say. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't fall into like your usual buckets that you see from Shonen Jump. Like, no matter how like uh, different a series is, like you can usually like probably categorize it into like oh a sports series, oh a gag manga, comedy, action. But what do you really call Actage? Like, what is it? Because I wouldn't call it necessarily a drama. I wouldn't call it necessarily a sport. Like, it's, it's all of it in one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, it adheres to the jump formula. Because let's be for real. Like, it, it wasn't until I did start reading Sunday and other shonen magazines that I realized that they, they do have a unifying feature in all of them. It's not always so apparent, especially if you're only reading one. And unfortunately, because of Jump's popularity, that's a lot. Most what most people are getting. So it is easy to get the idea that Shonen Manga is Jump. It's the other way around. <laughs> but um, yeah, it, it is interesting to kind of look at. Uh, Jump does have this formula of what I like to call um, constant forward motion. And Octodge definitely fits into that. But the execution of how it goes about that forward, that constant forward um, motion is something that is a bit atypical of a jump manga, but like it still fits in with your other jump manga to the point it, where, where it is like, I mean, we were discussing it all, you know, before the show record and we, where we saw the polygon article about act dodge, which is ironically saying it's not like your typical shonen manga. And to some extent it isn't, but it also really is. I think, I mean, we've discussed this before on DSP too, where it feels like the new generation of jump mangaka at least have an idea of what their predecessors have done. And while they embrace it, they're also like, okay, you know, I like this, but this is how I would do it. I respect it, but I'm going to do things a little differently. Because I've always I've always thought to myself, there's there's always it's always really easy to tell when somebody's like, yeah, you know, I can do better than this, and they write a story based on you know this idea that my ideas are better than what came before me, and then there's respecting it, but also being like, you know, I'm just going to do a bit different this, I'm going to do it a little differently. So there's definitely a sense that um, Matsuki and Uzazaki. They enjoy Shonen Jump and they respect Shonen Jump, but that doesn't mean that they're beholden to it. Yeah, that reminds me specifically of like, oh yeah, I could do that better or whatever. Um, the author of that one, he, he's done like uh, two or three Jump series that they get axed. Like, I think like the most he's gotten is like around like 50 chapters in. Oh, Haruto Ikazawa, the guy who did uh, Mononofu and uh, Kuragane and Noah's Notes. He's so cocky for no fucking reason. Cause like, <laughs> I'm sorry that this turned into like a like a random rant out of nowhere. But like, I I think um what separates like his work and like the the rest of like the the new generation quote of like Shonen Jump is the fact that like there's a level of um I'm not gonna say ambition because that's not what's lacking. There's like a level of vision that each of these authors like want to like convey um through their work that i feel is missing in like uh all the series that get like acts 
like the reason that a lot of people can relate to um or like the the reason that a lot of people think like some shonen jump series are interesting and that's why survive or whatever because of the fact that like there's something that clicks and what is it that can make you click with something is usually like how you vibe with um the way that something is being presented like my hero academia like um like the very first chapter get like the way i would describe it is like you get like a like a bucket of cold water dumped over you with empathy and like seeing like this main character who is like not at all like how uh everyone else is around him blah blah blah. it's the same kind of like oh the odd the, the ugly duckling type of like setup or whatever but then like what changes his situation entirely is because like he gets noticed by like the, the one person that he admires the most and like having like a level of empathy in your work where you get your characters in situations that like um like the they're forced to like interact with other people and we get like a humanizing element out of it where they they get acknowledged by others and like the kind of like interpersonal relationships that are displayed are like part of why readers are able to connect the characters and like i don't know if it was uh sasaki hisashi who said it or one of the like other previous uh uh jump uh like head editors or whatever but like it's characters who make the story like they're the Definitely. ones who like propel everything forward and like the reason that you have that kind of like uh that constant uh forward uh momentum or whatever that sakaki brought up is because of the fact that like uh the characters and their desires are what like push the story forward um like in Akdash, uh we see yonagi like she acts to cope um and like because this is the only thing that she knows uh obviously she she wants to use that to like provide for her family that's why she goes out to like uh these auditions or whatever and like obviously we catch her during the one audition where it's like okay this is the i've, I've been doing this for a while now it, it's not working out i'm gonna quit finally but like obviously that's her chance encounter with kuriyama kuriyama notices like it clicks with him because he realizes like she's using her experiences to to act or whatever and like being able to to discern uh like why like character motivations can like um can like in, in intertwine with each other and like why uh these people can like love or like help each other uh like achieve their goals or whatever like that's part of the jump formula that's part of like why part of why like uh the formula works is because like that empathy that kind of like uh connecting with other people is like what we as readers do uh when like we're a story um and i think like i don't know where i'm going i feel like i'm talking but like <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is what's going on with like act dodge and like why it's like so entertaining um is the fact that like it, it can bring all these elements together and like being able to do it in like an efficient way is something that's really like understated um i think like okay good yeah this is this is exactly what i want to say because like <laughs> um i was gonna say like uh specifically i was trying to tie this back into like volume one because one of my favorite like transitions was like the last chapter of the volume, like chapter seven uh like right after um chiyoko is introduced and by the way, like Takaki said, like her introduction is so fucking good. And I think 
the best part about it is the fact that uh, Yonagi is like there, and she she's just like uh, Kurama's like, what do you think of her? And she's just, and Yonagi's like, she mesmerized us all, and it's beautiful. But I can't see her face. I'd like to meet, her. and like right there, boom, bam, like that's um, that's that's Yonagi spoil. Like Chiyoko is someone who plays anyone but herself. Yonagi's the one who can only play herself as an actor. Like that, yes. that's it. Like the, that's the that's that's like the inverse relationship that we get for like rivalry. It was it was like punctuated in just like two pages. Like, that was that's efficient. And then like yeah. on the next uh on the next page, like w- once the chapter starts, like uh you go back to like her introduction where like she uh she's on the big screen like doing the the whole like oh yeah there's gonna be a new stars movie uh blah blah, blah. we're looking for talent and then boom uh on page uh 172 like we see um takemitsu uh masaki uh the other Rengoku. girl and, like yeah yeah we see them all that the uh, her co-stars who are gonna be with her uh death island and like boom like uh i i would like to meet her and then go back and like a month later, time skip, because we don't need to know what happens in between. It's time for the audition or whatever, and then we get to see like those characters who we saw. Uh, just like we didn't even really see their faces except for Takemitsu and like uh, where they were at. Like I think, I think the girl was like at a cafeteria or no, she's working at a restaurant. Um, Takemitsu works at like a construction place or whatever. Uh, the other guys like on the train or watching on headphones or something, and like. Then we get to see them like in an environment together and like introduce them there. Uh, but being able to like introduce these characters in like just like a couple pages prior and then give us the like their context like uh, as like personalities and how they how they mesh together. I think like that's like the definition of like efficient. And it's like B-Lord and Takaki were saying that like this uh, this uh, this manga isn't like it's it's not like it's bad it's not like the art is bad in any way but like it gets better and having like this tier of just like okay this is like we're showing what we what we have to show to make the story coherent to make the to, to have the story like move forward but then like i think it's so cool how like both of these uh both of these artists like when he's like uh doing the storyboards or whatever um hello yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're still I listening. I thought I disconnected because I just listened to the gospel. We're, the gospel We're listening to your Akdash TED talk. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. I was just, I was so scared because I, I thought I thought I disconnected or something. Um, no, 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 you're just you're in the zone, so we're just listening. <laughs> Plus it's easier yeah. to edit this way. <laughs> oh yeah, sorry. Uh, yeah, I was in the zone. Uh you can cut the stuff you learned. Uh, I definitely, um, I definitely think you're like really uh, explaining it very well, like better than I ever could. <laughs> Anyways, keep going, Marion. <laughs> All right, yeah, like the definition of uh, efficiency, like the, the fact that, like, okay, uh, Matsuki with his storyboards, and then uh, Usasaki Shiro being able to like bring them to life with just like the the character art, making them more detailed or whatever. Um, it, it's so simple, but like so effective. The fact that like you go all the way to like page one eighty two, and you see like. Uh, the first panel is like those four characters sitting next to each other. You see like their facial expressions, uh, their body language. Um, you can you can see what kind of people they are like at a glance, and then boom, right below we see like a zoom out, and then like they're the only ones who are highlighted because those are the only characters that we really know in this audition, and everyone else is kind of like 
faded out. Um, they don't have details on the whatever. Like it's it's very good storytelling because it's only telling us what we need to know, and that's what makes good comics. Like part of the reason that like I shill haiku all the fucking time is because like uh, we see glimpses of the same thing in haiku, like early haiku, and then to be able to like follow that artist journey for Date uh, Harichi like over time and then like how his like uh, panel composition evolves and stuff and gets more ambitious or whatever like we see the same thing with uh, later later volumes of Acta and like manga so fucking good guys I don't I don't know like you're you're listening to the Act Dodge podcast we all fucking love Act Dodge and like the there's best. no reason for it okay like <laughs> yeah and like Mary and like you're you're amazing ted talk there kind of just summed up like 10 out of 10 (laughs) yes it kind of just like summed up like why act dodge is so appealing and why it stands out in the first place because yeah we've had jump series that have tried to be different or unique or kind of be standoffish among the current crowd but what a lot of them fail to do is actually think about okay, how are you going to make the reader care about this? And that is through the characters. That is through the framing, the foreshadowing, the interactions. It's all these little pieces together that makes a successful comic, that makes an appealing comic. And that's what Matsuki does here, and that's what Usazaki also does here with the artwork. It's that... All these pieces are being tied together in a way that is cohesive, natural, and engaging to read. We'll see a better duo. (laughs) (laughs) Certainly not Oba and Obata. Oh, God. (laughs) Shut up, Ian's the best. Check it out. Obata, please, please work with another writer. Please go back to making uh, your car no go, please. Yeah, right. <laughs> Call up Yumi Hota. <laughs> I'm sure she would love to make another manga. But no, I mean, that. what can you say after that? Like, I feel like I'm at an audition and Marion just got the part. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, in here. And I'm like, like, what's the point? Let me yeah. just go home. Honestly, I, I think that is a good point to really wrap up things here. I mean, do do we have any final thoughts about this volume? I read it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I agree with that. Yeah, go buy it. I got a thought for you. Actage good. <laughs> I mean, just yeah. That that's all. That's really Marion like brought it home, honestly. Because that this is. I want to go as far as saying is that I mean just. Could, just one quick comment on what V Lord said is like I think the more successful jump series, including Act Dodge and Kimetsu and some of the more recent ones, instead of I mean I, I said it already, but I'm just gonna restate it in a different way. We said instead of trying to run it away from the identity of Shonen Jump, you should make peace with it. But while at the same time, also, you know, uh also like ex- using Make peace with it, but also don't make peace with it without losing your own your own individuality. At the you know that I think that's what's important in making these things work. Because it's like I've said several times, which is that Act Dodge 
in a sense, isn't too much different from other jump manga, but because it's like, I know it knows why people come to jump. And I think that's an important thing to consider when making a mon when bringing a story to anybody, you have to know your audience. It knows what jump readers are clear to read. And I think because it's embraced that while also have keeping its own sense of identity, that's why people have responded to it. Yeah. And I, I think the way I think about this, cause I, I wrote a, like an article about like Shonen jump and like kind of the real ideology of it for Chami faithful, like ages ago. And my main point there was that you can cater to an audience. You can target an audience and still have variety. And I think that's something people kind of disregard at times is that, yeah, you can have the friendship, effort, and victory of Shonen Jump. But that doesn't mean you have to be Naruto. That doesn't mean you have to be Bleach. You can be something else. And that's what Actage is doing. It has friendship, it has effort, it has victory. But it's doing it in a way that we haven't seen in Jump before. I think if there's one thing to take in is the fact that, like, if you go through, like, anything that's ever been popular, like, ever, um, you will not find, like, a single thing that was, like, big, but, like, not, like, sincere. Um, it, it, what, what makes a difference a lot uh, when it comes to being able to, like, grab readers or grab uh, viewers or whatever, like, people who engage with your media is when you show, like, a level of sincerity and you embrace what you are. Uh, because that's what people look for. Like, people want something that like believes believes in itself uh, to an extent that like. It. I was like, like before we were recording earlier. Like, I was like reading parts of the like chapter, and I kept on laughing. And I was like, guys, like it's so hard to take this seriously because it's taking itself so seriously. And like, I know that it's Man. not like, it's not always like a like the intention for like a creator or whatever to like come off that way. But part of that is what makes it enjoyable. Like, if uh, if you're into, like, JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, and, like, I, I know plenty of us are. It's, like, a normie thing. But, like, part of what makes JoJo enjoyable is the fact that, like, it's so... It, it takes itself very seriously um, to the point where it's not it's not parody, but um, it, it becomes... It, it, like, goes, like, all the way, like, 360 degrees, where it's, like, it's so serious that it's not, but then like, oh, because it's going that extra mile or whatever, it makes it sincere. And being able to engage with media that like goes like that extra mile of like just trying to like express emotion or whatever, whatever it is that like it's trying to do, um, that makes it that much more enjoyable. And like sometimes that's all you need. Uh, you don't have it doesn't have to be like a deep message. That's why like uh, it. We're, we're like adults and we're engaging with quote unquote like kid manga, but like if it's good, it's good. Like that's what, yeah, like it's, yeah. you should, you shouldn't have to like, you shouldn't have to like defend uh, being able to enjoy something because it's like, because it's not like for you. Um, just like if, if something is entertaining um, or if something like resonates with you to a certain extent, there's a reason you should be able to like, dig in and see why. I think that's what that's what makes everyone's like experience like reading manga or watching like watching a movie or any kind of like engagement with a media uh, that you really enjoy uh, can really connect. Yeah, like I think when you're consuming any sort of media, you're looking for that kind of identity 
Like, what what is the message this is trying to say, or like, why why was this made? No, yeah, like, does it resonate with me, or how does it? Um, or like, is it is it resonating with me because of something like uh, like like a specific thing that was done, or, or is it like intentional, or whatever? But like, yeah. you should be able to, you should be able to like reason why. Yeah, and I feel that Actage is a series that really kind of does that, especially in this first volume. It tells you the story that it wants to tell and isn't afraid of telling it. And yeah. I, I think that's why like, I've come to love the series so much. It's very open about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, I mean, I, I, told, I agree with that. Like, in the sense, in, you know, piggybacking off what Marion said, in, in Act, and especially in Actage, there is this sense of, like... And I think it's because it's about acting that it does ask you that question of why this thing resonates. Why does something? It's one thing to like something, and there's nothing wrong with just liking something and not getting much deeper than that. But I feel like with Act Dodge, at least, there's this question of like, why am I enjoying? I feel like when you ask yourself that question, that that's when you actually can say to an extent that you're enjoying, you're actually getting resonating with something versus just enjoying that you know it exists. And I feel like act dodge is that question. Acting is that question, you know, that right. Nagi has to ask herself, why am I acting? And, yeah. you know, obviously at first it is just to get put food on the table. I feel like it's when Sumiji kind of challenges that a little bit or not so much challenges it, but says you, yeah, I mean, acting to get food is that's fine, but you can do more with it than that, you know? And I feel like that's kind of a good parallel to, you know, a series resonating with you or not resonating with you. It's like, yeah, you could like this for its surface level stuff. And there's nothing wrong with just, you know, like if it's jump manga, for example, liking two dudes punching each other. That's really that's fine, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you can get more out of it. And it's when you ask yourself that question, like Yonagi, you know, like maybe she doesn't actually ask that question. But Sumiji's presence in her life makes her kind of makes it kind of deep dig deeper to that. You know what is it? What is it about acting in particular besides the fact that it's an escape that I enjoy? That you know it, it can be something I enjoy. And if it is something I enjoy, why am I enjoying it? And I feel like that question is set up really well with this first volume, which is why we're really you know, which is why Act Dodge is re- resonating with us. You know. Because it does dare to ask that question. Is it okay to just do something because you can, you know? Mm-hmm, definitely. Honestly, I think that's also a good place to just end off here. Yeah. I would say something, but I don't want to ruin this vibe. <laughs> <laughs> please, please, you're here for us. To... I don't know. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go ahead. We've all had our closing thoughts. You might as well throw on something here, man. Oh, uh, no. I- it's good. That's all I got to say. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I can definitely agree with that. Yeah, but let's uh, close out here then. So, Marion, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Microwavy, the E before the V. Um, I co host on a whole bunch of other podcasts um, Good Friends Anime Club, Demon Slayer Podcast, View from the Top of Haiku Podcast, Dorodoro Podcast. I'm going to be co hosting on a bunch of other things soon, like My Hero Academia podcast and Manga Maverick. Be on the lookout for that. I have all of my projects on like a pinned tweet 
uh, on my Twitter page. So if you're interested in any of the things I do, you can just check my Twitter. And Sakaki, where can people find you? Well, I also have Marion writing for me on wsstalkback.blogspot.com. <laughs> and okay. we're, hoping, we're, have, we're hoping to have, I mean, we're, we're all just in this together. <laughs> but yeah, we're hoping to have something from Marion up soon. So definitely take a look at that. But if, you know, if you just want Shonen Sunday news and Shonen Sunday, you know, um, information, you can check at WSS Talkback, which is where I talk about weekly Shonen Sunday. Um, you know, like I said, news, anything. And of course, I, I say this all the time, but it's worth repeating. If anybody has any interest in writing about Sunday, you know, it could be a current series, an ended series, uh, an author, whatever. I'm definitely willing to work with anybody who wants to just because I want to get the name of Sunday out there. So people know about more than just Detective Conan and Rumiko Takahashi and, well, now Komi. So, you know. <laughs> I, I definitely want to bring out more about Sunday in that sense. Uh, and my other Twitter is at Kirobon. Um, I always say don't follow that. And I and it's still, there's nothing there it's, it's other than my personal whining. Of course, I'm a co-host on DSP, uh, Demon Slayer podcast. And uh, I write for Tsunami Faithful sometimes. I Speaking of JoJo, I might have something that works that's JoJo related. So definitely check that out as well. Um, yeah, that, that that about covers it for me. And AG, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at your anime guy. Uh, but also, as Sakaki mentioned earlier, you can if you like Act Dodge, uh, you can follow uh, Act Dodge Manga on Twitter for anything and everything about the series. Basically, yeah, I mean, you guys do like a wonderful job on that one. Like, I find out so much news about Actage on that Twitter. Thank you, man. It is so talented. He, he has, like, a whole like, conglomerate of just, like, manga news uh, Twitters. It's getting kind of crazy. I'm, I might have to, like, step back on some of them or something. <laughs> I mean, some of them are co-managed, right? Or, like, are you handling, like, most of them on your own? Uh, like, the the Hunter Hunter one I do on my own. It's by family. But Actage, I got a couple people, thankfully. Uh, to help me out on that because yeah like i you have a spy fam one too because you've asked me to translate stuff for that yeah yeah, yeah. That, and then uh there's a uh the promised neverland but i guess that's irrelevant now um yeah <laughs> uh, it's i need i need to stop but well, i mean when i find a new series i like i, I just can't help it <laughs> well you're doing oh, a yeah, good you you're did, doing... Uh, did one for ghost rider oh, oh yeah, yeah 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 forgot about that yeah uh, time, time Paradox Ghost Rider. I love that series. Far. I'm going to need you to do one for a Sunday series soon. <laughs> <laughs> no, dude. Like, I really need a. I really need to start reading Sunday series. And I tried Detective Conan. Um, I, I want to try that, but again, you know, that's a a very long series. So, if you got any recommendations, up. Sobote, read Sobote. No, Sobote. Yeah, Sobote. Sobote is one. I mean, when I sent you one for Yofukashi no Uta or Call of the Night, I think you'd really enjoy that, honestly. But yeah, you d definitely follow all three of these guys. They're all amazing. They all do fantastic work. So go give them some love. But as far as uh, I go, you can find me on Twitter at VLORGTZ. I'm usually on there just talking about whatever I'm reading or writing. 
and also not sleeping. It's one of the three, always. But you can also find my manga and light novel reviews over on old-comic.com. I have a bunch of those coming out, so definitely give those a peek. And I also write Tanami editorials and occasional anime reviews for TanamiFaithful.com. So check out those as well. And like Sakaki mentioned, we also host the Demon Slayer podcast, which can be found on Twitter at DSlayerPodcast. And that is streaming on basically any podcast platform out there. So go check it out. But as far as this podcast is concerned, you can find the Actage Podcast on Twitter at Actage Podcast and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Actage Podcast. And the podcast is streaming on mostly everything at this point. There are a few services it ain't on, but all the major ones it's on at this point. Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, we're there. So go look us up, subscribe, and enjoy our stuff. But that does it for this episode, so we will see you guys later. Oodaloo.